Section 43 of Cobwebs from an Empty Skull. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Cobwebs from an Empty Skull by Ambrose Bierce. Section 43. Converting a Prodigal. Little Johnny was a saving youth, one who from early infancy had cultivated a provident habit when other little boys were wasting their substance in riotous gingerbread and molasses candy investing in missionary enterprises which paid no dividends and subscribing to the north labrador orphan fund and sending capital out of the country gene rally johnny would be sticking sixpences into the chimney-pot of a big tin house with bank painted on it in red letters above an illusory door or he would put out odd pennies at appalling rates of interest with his parents and bank the income he was never weary of dropping coppers into that insatiable chimney-pot and leaving them there in this latter respect he differed notably from his elder brother charlie for although charlie was fond of banking too he was addicted to such frequent runs upon the institution with a hatchet that it kept his parents honorably poor to purchase banks for him so they were reluctantly compelled to discourage the depositing element in his panicky nature johnny was not above work either to him the dignity of labor was not a juiceless platitude as it is to me but a living nourishing truth as satisfying and wholesome as that two sides of a triangle are equal to one side of bacon he would hold horses for gentlemen who desired to step into a bar to inquire for letters he would pursue the fleeting pig at the behest of a drover he would carry water to the lions of a travelling menagerie or do anything for gain he was sharp-witted too before conveying a drop of comfort to the parching king of beasts he would stipulate for sixpence instead of the usual free ticket or tasting order so to speak he cared not a button for the show the first hard work johnny did of a morning was to look over the house for fugitive pins needles hairpins matches and other unconsidered trifles and if he sometimes found these where nobody had lost them he made such reparation as was in his power by losing them again where nobody but he could find them in the course of time when he had garnered a good many he would realize and bank the proceeds nor was he weakly superstitious this johnny you could not fool him with the santa claus hoax on christmas eve he would lie awake all night as sceptical as a priest and along toward morning getting quietly out of bed would examine the pendant stockings of the other children to satisfy himself the predicted presents were not there and in the morning it always turned out that they were not then when the other children cried because they did not get anything and the parents affected surprise as if they really believed in the venerable fiction johnny was too manly to utter a whimper he would simply slip out of the back door and engage in traffic with affluent orphans disposing of woolly horses tin whistles marbles tops dolls and sugar archangels at a ruinous discount for cash he continued these provident courses for nine long years always banking his accretions with scrupulous care everybody predicted he would one day be a merchant prince or a railway king and some added he would sell his crown to the junk dealers his unthrifty brother meanwhile kept growing worse and worse he was so careless of wealth 
so so wastefully extravagant of lucre that johnny felt it his duty at times to clandestinely assume control of the fraternal finances lest the habit of squandering should wreck the fraternal moral sense it was plain that charles had entered upon the broad road which leads from the cradle to the workhouse and that he rather liked the travelling so profuse was his prodigality that there were grave suspicions as to his method of acquiring what he so openly dispersed there was but one opinion as to the melancholy termination of his career a termination which he seemed to regard as eminently desirable but one day when the good pastor put it at him in so many words charles gave token of some apprehension do you really think so sir said he thoughtfully ain't you playin it on me i assure you charles said the good man catching a ray of hope from the boy's dawning seriousness you will certainly end your days in a workhouse unless you speedily abandon your course of extravagance there is nothing like habit nothing charles may have thought that considering his frequent and lavish contributions to the missionary fund the parson was rather hard upon him but he did not say so he went away in mournful silence and began pelting a blind beggar with coppers one day when johnny had been more than usually provident and charles proportionately prodigal their father having exhausted moral suasion to no apparent purpose determined to have recourse to a lower order of argument he would try to win charles to economy by an appeal to his grosser nature so he convened the entire family and johnny said he do you think you have much money in your bank you ought to have saved a considerable sum in nine years johnny took the alarm in a minute perhaps there was some barefooted little girl to be endowed with sunday-school books no he answered reflectively i don't think there can be much there's been a good deal of cold weather this winter and you know how metal shrinks no i'm sure there can't be only a little well johnny you go up and bring down your bank we'll see perhaps charles may be right after all and it's not worth while to save money i don't want a son of mine to get into a bad habit unless it pays so johnny travelled reluctantly up to his garret and went to the corner where his big tin bank-box had sat on a chest undisturbed for years he had long ago fortified himself against temptation by vowing never to even shake it for he remembered that formerly when charles used to shake his and rattle the coins inside he always ended by smashing in the roof johnny approached his bank and taking hold of the cornice on either side braced himself giving a strong lift upwards and keeled over upon his back with the edifice atop of him like one of the figures in a picture of the great lisbon earthquake there was but a single coin in it and that by an ingenious device was suspended in the centre so that every piece popped in at the chimney would clink upon it in passing through charlie's little hole into charlie's little stocking hanging innocently beneath of course restitution was out of the question and even johnny felt that any merely temporal punishment would be weakly inadequate to the demands of justice but that night in the dead silence of his chamber johnny registered a great and solemn swear that so soon as he could worry together a little capital he would fling his feeble remaining energies into the spendthrift business 
and he did so. End of section 43